Welcome back to Well, That's Interesting, the Real Superstitions and Possible Ghosts edition. Ah, <laughs> that well put. The superstitions are real, but the ghosts? Possible. Just possible. <laughs> Just possible. Uh, this is in between 064, The Dark Side of Rainbows. What? <laughs> And paranormal activity at the Playboy Mansion. Well, I'm excited. Uh, <laughs> gosh, well, damn, I'm thrilled. Uh, I, I really want to hear about these ghosts at the Playboy Mansion. <laughs> I had no idea. No one ever told me. Yeah, I had no idea about about these uh, spooky little tales that we're going to get into. Uh, I'm really excited. I'm really excited. I'm pumped as well. Yeah, uh, I'm Jill Chacha, and I am with the uh, struggling Marissa Riley. Thank you. <laughs> That's me. Uh, if by struggling you mean my voice. Yes, um, <laughs> yes it, it is a struggle to speak currently. <clears throat> I am getting over some laryngitis. I'm totally fine. No COVID. Multiple tests were taken. However, <laughs> I was left with this what? sexy voice. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. It's super sexy. For... The weekend. So yeah. this welcome to welcome to me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> welcome to sexy you. Welcome to sexy laryngitis <laughs> voice, Dr. Marissa. At your service. Mm, it's gonna be thirty minutes. Thirty minutes of bliss. There. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, if this is your first time listening, welcome to the flock. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Riley here uh, comes in cold and learns everything in real time, just like you. It's true. I had no idea what we were going to talk about. Um, Jill tried to give me <laughs> a clue, but whenever she gives me a clue, it de- it's like it the opposite of helps. <laughs> it makes things even more broad and confusing. She was like, so tomorrow we're talking about something we've never talked about before. That's so and not I help- was like, that's so not helpful that in makes, any way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like even more stressed because I'm like, well, maybe she's on like a, she's been talking about brains a lot or butts <laughs> or something. And now I'm like, well, it's neither of those. I have no idea. Yeah. No idea. <laughs> so, uh, should we get into it then? We absolutely should. <laughs> All, right. All right. To begin. <clears throat> oh, sorry about uh, that. It's okay. To begin, let's head on back in time to the magical year that was. 1980. Wow, the magic. <laughs> so much magic. Uh, we're traveling around the globe and landing in the tiny mountainside community of Tugu. Cute. I, I don't know where this is, <laughs> but the the name Tugu is just... Adorable. Adorable. Yeah. So where is Tugu, you ask? Uh, not a problem. Everyone, picture the mighty continent of Australia. Ah, I can do that. Okay. Now move your eyes a wee 8,500 miles northwest. Okay. And boom, we're looking at and standing on the Indonesian island of Java. Oh. Mm-hmm. Which looks a little bit like a comma. Cute. Think okay. about it. Okay. Okay. Uh, and at the northern tip of that comma is good old Tugu. Good old Tugu. <laughs> and I'm happy to say we're not alone. Uh, we're with Robert Blust, who at the time was a professor at the University of Leiden in the Netherlands. Nice. So, on this particular day, he and a bunch of fellow professor friends were outside waiting for lunch to arrive when, in proper island paradise fashion, 
a rainbow appeared. Oh, classic. I know. And he did what any one of us would do, uh, point to it and say, holy shit, a rainbow. <laughs> there you go. And yeah. this is, this sounds like before iPhones. Yes. So you, but that back at before an iPhone, you couldn't take a picture of something. You just had to talk about it. Yeah, I know. And well, people had to believe you. It was really strange That's time. insane. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. <laughs> so one of Robert's friends, though, noted that in Sumatra, an island west of Java, where they were from, it's bad luck to point at a rainbow. I had no idea. I point at them literally all the time. Yeah, I've yeah. been fucking up. <laughs> I can't, I mean, I can't not point at a rainbow. I know, it's really hard. It's and then really take hard. 40 pictures of <laughs> yes, it. Right. And they're all terrible. I've never taken a good picture of a rainbow. I don't know how you guys are doing it. Yeah. Mine are fuzzy and just... Yeah. Rough. Just not magical. No. No. (laughs) Uh, Another friend from another Indonesian island in the archipelago said the same, that as a child, they were told that if they ever pointed at a rainbow, that finger would break. Are you serious? (laughs) I'm stressed. (laughs) And stay bent like the shape of a rainbow. Now this- Oh. (laughs) Or maybe the other way. Oh, Oh, the other way. I don't like that. (laughs) So this little moment and cultural exchange- kind of burrowed into Robert's mind. Uh, It stuck with him throughout his stay in Java and followed him back to the Netherlands, where he decided, you know what? I'm going to go into full professor mode about this rainbow thing. I want to know if pointing at rainbows is a no-no anywhere else. Okay. And thus, his quest began. Okay. (laughs) I thought he was going to study if it actually happened, and I'd Ah. want to go up to him and be like, Robert... Put the coke down. Yes, that's right. The '80s man. Put <laughs> the drugs yeah. down. Nothing. I gotta follow happen. this rainbow, man. Come on. <laughs> I gotta see if my finger cracks <laughs> next time I point at a rainbow. Yeah. Robert, chill. Yeah. But it sounds like he's looking more culturally. Mo- exactly. Yes. You got it. Yeah. No coke in this story, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. that's fine. <laughs> so. Uh, First, he combed through his university's ethnography department, looking for other cultures' stories and folklore. And wouldn't you know it, quote, The first hint that he was onto something bigger came from a report of a prohibition on pointing to rainbows in India. It did not take long for the shock to set in. He Uh told Kenzie Cooper Ryder of Atlas Obscura, The rainbow taboo, as he would come to call the phenomenon, was not confined to Southeast Asia, end quote. So, Dr. Marissa, please tell us, where did this take Robert, and what the hell did he discover? Uh, what did he discover next, as reported by Kenzie Cooper Ryder? I would love to tell you. <laughs> it's a fun name. Kenzie Cooper Ryder. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it, man. All right, quote, Blust began a cast. Blust began... I, I, I can it's do okay. this. Take your time. Quote, Blust began to cast a wider net. He sent questionnaires to colleagues and missionary stations around the world, inquiring about rainbows and taboos related to them. He would soon amass evidence for the rainbow taboo in some form or another in 140 cultures. Oh, my God. 124. Oh, it's fine. I have no excuse for getting that wrong. Uh, 124 cultures is still a lot. Taboos turned up in North America among the Atsugawi of Northern California and the Lakota of the Northern Plains in remote parts of Australia and isolated islands in Melanesia among uh, the Nyabwa of 
uh, the Ivory Coast, and the Kiowa of Brazil. That was hard. That was hard. Good, oh, good great job. I'm just going to take a so, quick breath before we <laughs> so move a sh- forward. A shit ton of people. That was basically. a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people have a lot of feelings about these rainbows. Okay. Uh, continuing the quote, at one time, it was present in Europe, too. One of the Grimm brothers noted it in his book on German mythology. The belief was not found in every culture, according to Bluff Search, but it was present globally across all inhabited regions. End quote. So it sounds like everyone. Yeah. A little bit of everyone. stressed about rainbows. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I got it. Exactly. I, got it. Uh, I did a little digging as well. <coughs> and the Navajo of North America also have a superstition. Uh, according to Navajo co- NavajoCodeTalkers.org, if you point at a rainbow, that rainbow will cut off that their pointing finger. Oh, my God. I know. And just to clarify, all of the cultures that I mentioned and you mentioned, yeah. it all has to do with pointing yes. at a rainbow. Yeah, exactly. Correct. And exactly. some sort of consequence. Yes. Not just... Rainbows are bad, but like if you point, if you point to it, yeah. What the fuck? (laughs) What the fuck? Yeah, what it really brings down the room, you know? (laughs) God, explain more. So, yeah. Now the Navajo um, theory of pointing at a rainbow is slightly different. Has a slightly different end result than the Indonesian belief, and it turns out each culture with a rainbow taboo has their own variation as to what happens. Uh, In most cases, yes, something would happen to the finger itself, like it might become bent or paralyzed. It might even fall off. No. There are tales of fingers withering away, rotting or swelling up. Some fingers develop warts, ulcers. Some become eaten from the inside out by maggots. That's okay. That's horrifying. (laughs) You know, it's like I'm trying to figure out why this, have started yeah like what is this helping what is this helping us because i mean like it'd be one thing like if the the thing was uh if you look at the sun your eyeballs will fall out that would make sense yeah it's not gonna happen but it would teach children and people Mm -hmm. not to stare at the sun those are great questions yeah but yeah what what did something happen to every (laughs) single person where, like, a bird shit on them every time they pointed. I mean, I am aware yeah. that the world was quite different. Yes. A while back, but... Great questions. You also bring up a good point about time. Let's... We should get into that. Okay. Yeah, let's get into that. Tell so. me... <laughs> tell me everything. Okay. More about the bad shit that would happen. Um... Sometimes the bad luck would strike someone else. Oh, dear. Like someone you love. Why? Uh, For example, in parts of New Guinea and Australia, all this bad shit would happen to your mother instead of you. Okay. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Now, I know what you're thinking, along with all these other questions that you just brought up. uh, What if I'm I'm in one of these beautiful parts of the world and catch myself pointing at a rainbow? Well, don't worry. I got you covered. Ready? This is how we take care of it. Okay, okay. Now, all you need to do in most cases, is, quote, wet the offending digit by, you guessed it, putting it into a body cavity like your mouth, anus, or belly button, or according to the Javanese version of the taboo, uh, plunge it into a pile of buffalo dung, end quote, from atlasobscura.com. You know, you made it more confusing. (laughs) I I was hoping didn't see that coming i i really didn't and i really don't understand what this is like what 
is is this like a plague thing? <laughs> but but putting it in your mouth, you should never put your finger in your mouth unless you've washed it in hot yeah. water. But yeah, I know. At what? Yeah. How? Yeah. We're getting to this part now. How and why would this even start? Who told who to stick their finger up their ass to make a situation better? Well, what can I say? But humans are pretty creative and love to fuck with each other. That's what I think. But Robert developed a few sound theories, and we're going to go with those. Okay. (laughs) So, back in the day, many, many moons ago, when nature was even more mysterious and intimidating than it is now, rainbows were considered mystical, even sacred. Oh, They were supernatural portals to another realm. They were considered something beyond human. That makes sense. I can see that. And the act of pointing at someone, well, that's just flat out rude, and that even holds true today. Yeah. So it's possible the taboo came about because of the combination of these two things. If you stick your pointy rude digit in the face of something otherworldly, you're going to get your comeuppance, basically. I see. So they're seeing it like a god or something. Mm -hmm. They're like, don't point. Don't point at that thing. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. Exactly. I got it. Exactly. Now, Robert's investigation went on from 1980 all the way through 1998. And it seemed wherever he went, new folklore would pop up. My God. Yeah, that's a long time. Uh, Journalist Kenzie Cooper Ryder was curious if these superstitions are still around today in 2021. So he got in contact with a friend that could provide a little insight. Um, Dr. Marissa, please take us back to Southeast Asia. I would love to. All right, quote, Nick Enfield, a a um, linguistic anthropologist at the University of Sydney, had previously observed the taboo while conducting fieldwork in Laos. When I, Kenzie, emailed him for more details, he asked an elderly man in Vientiane who told him the taboo was still something the old people talk about. But Enfield notes it does not appear to be taken very seriously and may be more something one teases children about. And... There you go. Okay. That's pretty telling. I mean, like all of us as children, we've probably heard some urban legend and we've spread that belief to new friends who go on to tell their friends about it or maybe talk about it on a podcast. Yeah. And there you go. The, poli- the belief lives on, spreading far and wide and maybe changing a little bit along the way. Yeah. So I have no doubt that kid in Vientiane will get old and... With the best of intentions, traumatize a young child, gleefully pointing at a rainbow, and the beautiful cycle will continue. What a beautiful cycle. <laughs> yes. Tra- traumatizing children. Trauma, that's it. It's that, just... That, I think that's what it came down to. <laughs> it's a global tradition yes. um, to traumatize children. I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. I think so. It's all come together now. <laughs> I see. After the break, speaking of getting freaked out, we're heading to LA. Ooh. And I hope you like ghost stories. I do. Uh, <laughs> We're gonna listen to we're gonna listen to a bunch of spooky shit. I'm into it. So please stay tuned. Please do. And we're back. We are so back. We are so back. <laughs> Hang in there. We're almost done. I will. <laughs> <laughs> we're almost done. And we're uh, in Holmby Hills, Ooh. a small section of Los Angeles, uh, just west of Beverly Hills, California. Fun. Now, if the word Holmby sounds a little starchy and, well, fucking old, you're not too far off. It was developed in the early 20th century to complete what's called the Platinum Triangle of L.A. Oh, my. That being Bel Air, Beverly Hills, and, of course, Holmby Hills. 
Why so have I never say. heard of it? That's so funny. It's, it's very old Hollywood. And just to give you an idea about its over-the-top opulence and old Hollywood gaudy glamour, a little road called Sunset Boulevard runs through it. Oh, I've heard of that road. Yeah. Yes, I have. So, uh, Also at its southern edge is a home. Uh, well, actually a mansion. <laughs> it's a 22,000 square foot Gothic Tudor style mansion that was built in 1927 and acquired by Playboy in 1971 for $1.1 million. Fine. <laughs> Today that would be around $7.5 million, uh, but that's still kind of a deal when you hear about what the fuck is inside it. Yes. Dr. Marissa, according to the Playboy Mansion wiki, please tell us about you know, about what's some of what's behind its many doors. I would absolutely love to. All right, quote, The mansion has 29 rooms, including a wine cellar with a Prohibition-era secret door, a screening room with built-in pipe organ, okay, a game room, <laughs> three zoo Avery buildings, and related pet cemetery, a tennis and basketball court, a waterfall and a swimming pool area, including patio and barbecue area, a grotto, a basement gym with sauna below the bathhouse. Landscaping includes a large koi pond with an artificial stream, a small citrus orchard, and two well-established forests (laughs) of tree ferns and redwoods. Jesus. That's a lot. The West Wing, originally uh, Servant's Wing, uh, houses the editorial offices of Playboy. The main Avery uh, building is the original greenhouse with four guest rooms adjoining. The master suite occupies several rooms on the second and third floor and is is the most heavily renovated area of the mansion proper. Otherwise, the mansion proper is maintained in its original Gothic Revival furnishings, for the most part. End quote. All right. That's a lot of shit. A lot of shit. You did a great job. Thanks for reading that for us. No problemo. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, my friends, it has certainly kept its Gothic exterior and... What can I say? It's it's really not the most welcoming-looking mansion. Um, yeah. in, in fact, I'd like to show you the first photo that comes up on the wiki. And uh, Dr. L- Dr. Marissa, I'm gonna pu- I'm gonna pull it up here for you. Just tell me how you feel when you look at it. Sure. <laughs> and of course, all photos will be on our Instagram, Twitter, social media stuff. So come on by and take a look at what this place looks like at night. Okay. This is one e. one. This is one wing of the uh, Playboy Mansion at night. Okay. I mean, it. I don't want to go. I. That's my initial thought is I don't want to go. This is a rough photo. It's rough. This is not the best mm. photo. It's, you know, if we were to take elements away, I'd be into it. But it's basically kind of like a gothic mansion, mm. right? And um, it's got pretty vines all over it. And it's got, like, landscaping and little specially trimmed up bushes and, like, um, stone stairways and stuff. But the thing I really don't like about it is the lighting. Yes, it's lit from underneath. It's lit from underneath with these blue lights and it's just tacky. It's like, it looks like they were trying to make it look like a nightclub, but Mm. it's, I'm like, do maybe like white lights. I don't know. Just the blue is really throwing me off. Yeah. It's ugly. It's a little bit, it's also a little um, unsettling because it's gothic, uh, it's towering, it's very pointy, a lot yeah. of triangles, so it's a little uncomfortable. 
Um, kind of like yeah, a castle. It's kind of like a castle, exactly. There's even like an orb in the photo. It does not help. It doesn't <laughs> See it up there? orb? See it right up there? Why? <laughs> yeah, so, sure, okay. Yeah, so we're going to pan back and see the entire property uh, in the daytime this time in a separate photo. Uh, honestly, it doesn't do much in throwing down the welcome mat, but hey, that's just this particular photo. What do you see here, Dr. Marissa? What does it make you feel? Oh, I mean, it looks very British. Yeah, right? It looks like I'm in the British. I mean, like, you can kind of see the city in the back, but if you put your hand over the city part, it looks like um, like you're in the British countryside. Yeah, an old, an old, old manor. Mansion. And it's got, I have no idea what this is called, but it's got like a... a rotunda? Rotunda, that's, that's it. it. Yeah. I'm just gonna trust that everyone knows what that is. <laughs> and if you don't look at the picture, it's got it's like a round driveway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, when parties aren't being thrown, this vast mansion stands mostly empty, uh, and its true true vibe kind of shows through. Uh, for some of the women who lived at Playboy Mansion, they've admitted that when it's downtime, that's when the spirits show up. Really? Yeah. That's really interesting. Did you know there's an entire TV show about some of the girls who live there? I learned that researching this. Yes, there is. Yeah. I watched a little bit of yeah. it back when it was, I think it was on like E or yes, Bravo. You're, you're absolutely right. And uh, what is it called? What is it called? I think it was called The, the girls, girls Next, Next Door. Door. <laughs> and these girls, I mean... We're going to talk about them. Really? Yeah, yeah. Holly Madison, I remember, was actually very we're, intelligent. We're going to bring and her cool. up. Yes. Um, the other two were great, too, but like the, yeah. the, he had like three main girlfriends. Yes. It's very interesting. Yes, yeah. Uh, one of them, uh, we're going to talk about Holly in a minute, but uh, first we're going to talk about Bridget Marquard. Yes. Oh, yes. you know her? Yeah, I know all, right. all of them. Oh, Are we going to talk about Kendra, too? Uh, Kendra doesn't come up, but uh, the, I, I, I picked these two because they... Okay. They, uh, they were recently... Oh, we'll talk about it. Okay, uh, let's talk it's about all it. coming back to me now. I remember everything. <laughs> Anyways, tell me, tell me. Uh, am I saying her last name right? Is it, is it Marquand? Bridget? I don't remember. I just remember it was like Bridget. Bridget, Holly, and Kendra. Okay. Well, Bridget lived in the mansion from 2002 until 2009. And for her... And her most vivid experience with the unexplained happened with other witnesses around. So this is really interesting. Dr. Marissa, please tell us what Bridget told the Paranormal Activity podcast Dark House back in October, as reported by the New York Post. I would love to quote Bridget. This is awesome. (laughs) All right, quote, One evening, my sister, myself, and my friend Stacy were all sitting on my bed. The one-time E-Network staple and Playboy Bunny said, adding that she'd purchased a new puppy earlier that day. We were talking, having a glass of wine, and the TV was on. All of the sudden, out of the corner of all of our eyes, we saw a woman standing in my closet. She had long, black, stringy hair, very pale, very thin. She was wearing a white T-shirt. That was too big on her. (laughs) And black acid washy jeans. She was just standing there staring. She was more modern day and I felt like I recognized who she was. Of course, when I turned to look at it straight on, it was gone. End quote. So she saw a ghost from the fucking 80s, man. <laughs> That's right, standing in her closet. Yeah. Why not? I'm into it. Uh, this super brief encounter left Marquad's sister in tears, oh. and her friend could only respond by covering her eyes. 
uh, with her hands in shock. Uh, I think the puppy was fine, so that's good. I'm glad you <laughs> said something about the puppy. The puppy I, was, I needed probably to having know. a great time, probably. Yeah, the best time. Yeah. As for who the hell could have been standing in that closet, well, Bridget has an idea. Uh, back in 2002, Bridget went to the mansion to do whatever it is you have to do when you apply as a playmate, uh, and there she met Joni. Oh, is this the old woman who ah, manages you know. everything? That's right. Ah, uh, I really right. do remember a lot. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Joni was, quote, a social secretary of the mansion. She was super friendly. She was kind of like the house mom. She knew all about the pets. She knew all about the girls. She was just amazing. Aww. I'm pretty sure it was her who was standing there, she told Dark House. What? And I think she came to see the new addition to the mansion, the new pet that was there, my dog Wednesday, end quote. So Joni, my friends, passed away from cancer shortly after Bridget got the job. And this event happened years after. Wow. So uh, Bridget went went on to tell the podcast smaller weird things would happen around the place like doors that would slam or lock on their own and visitors getting a private tour would mention feeling uncomfortable when entering the mansion's gaming quarters and that's my friend my friends that's where we're heading next cool <laughs> sorry i stumbled take there me, all good take me to the gaming quarters all right here we go dr marissa i know your voice is i know you're struggling so let me know if you want to read what holly madison uh, who lived there as Hefner's girlfriend from 2001 to 2008, told Nylon Magazine. I'm going to give it a strong effort, and if okay. I can't do it, yeah. I'm going to pass the baton All right. on to you. Great. Okay, but let's, let's get this party started. All right. <laughs> Quote, The mansion is a home that's very intriguing for so many reasons. People talk about it being haunted. There's all these weird urban legends like trafficking tunnels. It takes on a life of its own, she said. In one encounter, she was in the basement gym and saw a woman come out of the bathroom and cross in front of her and out of her line of vision. The woman was contemporary looking wearing a hot pink sports bra and black workout pants. Madison figured she was a playmate who was doing photo tests. Madison walked around the corner to see where she had walked to and saw another door and figured she'd gone out of the way. But when she opened the door, it was just a shallow closet. There wasn't any way the woman could have exited the gym without passing Madison again. She had vanished. I never saw that woman again in my life, she says, end quote. Oh my God. That's right. Working out in the afterlife. Yep. Why? (laughs) Why? So get this. uh, Bridget and Madison also mentioned the housekeeping staff would say they felt super uneasy going into the game house and game room and would always ask for someone from security to go with them. Weird. Unfortunately, the ladies couldn't get couldn't get much more information from housekeeping as to why for a super shitty reason. Um, as Madison put it, quote, I was scared shitless that I was going to get in trouble because Hef would get pissed pissed off if we talked to the staff. Oh. So I was terrified to really talk to anyone more than I should than I absolutely had to because I was scared to. End quote. Oh. I know that's fucking fucked up. That's really fucked up. I'm sorry, Holly. Yeah. But and get, Bridget. Yeah. Uh, but good news, uh, Hef couldn't keep everything secret. Uh, Brian Olay wasn't a bunny, but the mansion's guest service manager for 20 years. And boy, howdy, the staff told him lots of shit, and he himself experienced just as much. Ooh, spill that tea. That's right. <laughs> spill that tea, Olay. 
Um, from, <laughs> uh, from the Nylon Mag article, Ghosts of the Playboy Mansion, as told by the women who live there, quote, he said he'd often hear from housekeeping staff and butlers about paranormal experiences, like hearing footsteps walking behind them in the hallways. Ooh. Graveyard butlers told, told him they didn't want to go upstairs at night because they felt a weird presence around them. Once, one of the maids told him that while cleaning the game house, the door the maid had propped open suddenly slammed shut. The jukebox started playing, and a couple of keys on the piano dinged. That's awful. That's yeah. terrifying. She refused to continue cleaning unless security was there. Fair, End fair, quote. fair, fair. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Mercer, would you like to tell us what happened to him personally? Yes. Okay. Oh, my God, yes. Okay. All right, quote, One day he was waiting for a Playboy executive's meeting in the library to end. So Oli could, Olia, Olia? I think it's Olay. Olay. Sure. So Olay could get it cleaned up for an event. When the executive left, he went to clean the library, but the door was locked from the inside. <laughs> Security tried a key, but it didn't work. Olay uh, went to talk to a security guard to confirm the exec had left uh, through the front door. And when he came back to the door, it was open two inches. Every hair on my body stood up, he told Nylon. I looked over at the security guard, and he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and I said, you saw this too. We're not making this up. Nobody is going to believe us. What the hell just happened? End quote. It was a ghost. It was totally a ghost. ghost. It was a ghost, not an alien. That's right. <laughs> not an alien this time. Not an alien this time. Maybe next time. Hopefully. I'm happy to report the ladies slash ex-playmates of the mansion are doing very well and are not traumatized by their experience at all. Like you said, they've gone on to do reality TV shows about this time in their lives uh, and and currently have their own paranormal podcast. I love that they have their own paranormal podcast. That's pretty great. Wow, (laughs) that's awesome. Of course, all are these... All are the... Let me try that again. Delete, 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 delete. Okay, of course... These are all stories, and honestly, the only physical evidence of a horrifying time at the Playboy Mansion occurred in 2011, when 123 people complained of fever and respiratory illnesses after attending a Domain Fest Global Conference there. Oh my god. Epidemiologists from the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health traced back the outbreak of illnesses to, you guessed it, a hot tub in the mansion's famed grotto. Uh, there it was found, the bacteria that causes Legionnaire's disease. What? So yeah, I'm just going to say it one more time. 123 people, one hot tub. <laughs> what a conference. Jesus. Oh my God, that's unlike any conference I've been to. I've never been to a conference, but I hear they're boring. <laughs> yeah, and this one didn't, didn't end well. So, no. the end. <laughs> well, way to leave me on a note where I have a thousand more questions about uh, the conference. <laughs> Can we have a follow-up podcast about this goddamn conference? Domain Fest. If you or someone you know is at the Domain Fest Global Conference. In 2011. DM us immediately. How are you? What's going on? How are things? What is Domain Fest? (laughs) Is it for websites? I don't know. So I will be Googling that on my own time. Maybe I'll come back with an update on that. Oh, that's your homework assignment. Okay. Marissa Corner, what happened at the conference? (laughs) What happened to the hot tub? Uh, Thank you for listening, subscribing, telling your friends about the ghosts at Playboy Mansion, and and to never point at a rainbow, apparently. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's, or else, um, 
You'll be traumatized as a kid. I don't <laughs> know. Okay. And, but always stay interesting. Oh, please do.